In this episode of The Ziggler Show that I'm recording while on a Florida writing getaway where my audio quality may be a little less than normal, I apologize. But I bring you what I have found across the board to literally be the most effective life success tactic ever. And you'll notice I said life success as in success in your life overall. If you only want to succeed in making money, for instance, one area, while this tactic does provide the best overall chance, I've seen many people make a lot of money without utilizing it that well. I've seen people rise to the top of sports without it, not as often as with it, but still sometimes. And if all you want is to write, say, a best-selling book or invent something or be a famous explorer or whatever, if it's just one achievement that you want to succeed in, it is possible without this tactic. It's harder, but possible. However, I doubt there's anyone listening to this right now who wants to settle for only having success in one solitary area of life, as that has proven not to provide fulfillment, just a win. Hey, I won many cycling races, but today they're way down in my life fulfillment, and I rarely even participate in that aspect of my life. Uh, So we're talking about, again, overall. So I'm going to reveal this tactic, and you're going to right away think, oh, that's elementary. I do that. And I'm telling you that no, you don't. Uh, Just like my recent show on trust, where simply being honest does not get you the benefit of trust, you think you do this, what I'm about to say, but I'm saying you don't, not enough. You're not understanding the full breadth of utilization to truly benefit from it. Me neither. So here it is. It's treating everyone like an odd, revered, and respected person who you proactively go out of your way to serve in an above and beyond fashion that we're going to explain. So I'm going to be joined by Dan Miller, my father, and we're going to unpack this in a way that I think will radically open your eyes to how you're missing out and how you can pivot and start benefiting from this immediately. And if you enjoy Dan, by the way, you can find his 48 Days podcast wherever you get your podcast. Welcome, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller. I host three podcasts where we have candid discussions that matter regarding the root issues of personal change and growth. There are endless podcasts that will entertain and even inform you, but my goal is to educate and actually equip you. This is The Ziggler Show. It's ranked number two in all-time career podcasts in Apple Podcasts, and our focus is growing your professional success by helping you grow into your full capacity. My other podcast is The Motive Podcast, and it's devoted to helping you know what you authentically want by understanding why you want it, which is made clear by knowing what you truly value. In episode 27, I bring back actor Matthew Del Negro to discuss the very real issue of victimization. We're all victimized, but whether we go forth as victims is an entirely different story and a very, very sad one that nobody has to accept. And then in my True Life podcast, it's aimed at getting you fully functioning physically so your body and mind can support your desires in life. In episode 70, we tackle cancer. And, you know, first off, who are we to have anything new and revelatory to share about cancer? We're just messengers delivering a message the media and medical world are ignoring. And it's that we are growing cancer. And the primary cure is to stop growing it. And you individually have the most control to increase or decrease the propensity for cancer to grow in you. You can find all three shows in Apple Podcasts. Just search for Kevin Miller or go to my website, kevinmiller.co. And if you're new to The Ziggler Show, I invite you to visit ziggler.com slash coach and connect with Tom Ziggler about becoming a Ziggler coach. 
successful sales support system, how the office and family can empower your career. Have you ever stopped to realize that you have two sets of customers? The obvious clients and prospects to whom you make your presentations are your external customers, those outside your organization. The second group are the internal clients and prospects who work for your organization. Obviously, you're not selling the same products and services to both groups, but you are selling. Just because the same person who signs your paycheck signs the paycheck for the reception, doesn't mean that she or he is not your customer. The accountant, shipping clerk, secretarial support, and service departments are due and deserve the same courtesy, if not more. We are given suspects and prospects. Think, would you treat a prospect the same way you treat the people in your own office? How can we use outstanding people skills outside our offices and forget them when we walk through the doors of our building? When you fail to treat co-workers with the same courtesy and respect shown to customers, you will pay the price all unsuccessful salespeople pay for forgetting who your customers really are. Anybody can love the lovable. There is no talent involved in caring for the person who cares for us. One of the basics of success in life, as well as in sales, is learning to love the unlovable. And frankly, it's okay that you don't like everyone. You're not required to be best friends or seek approval from every person in your life. However, you will find that when you treat each person in your life with courtesy and in an appropriate manner, that you will be treated in kind. This doesn't mean allowing people to treat you unkindly and walk on you. I'm not talking about allowing people to abuse you verbally or physically. You can walk away from a situation with courtesy and dignity and feel much better and get great results without losing control. When you envision every person in your life as being a real flesh and blood person and treat them with respect, even if they don't notice, you will, and you will respect yourself, which in the long run is much more important than that other person's respect for you. You may have heard the phrase, every obnoxious act is a cry for help. If we can give others the benefit of the doubt and allow them to keep their dignity, we can help them to win while winning ourselves. And this truly is the double win we read and talk about so much. One of the primary methods we can utilize to bring our support team together and be sure we are pulling on the same end of the rope as opposed to pulling against each other is to work toward shared ownership. In my youth, you, of course, raised me on... Zig Ziglar and Dale Carnegie and Brian Tracy and all those guys. So, so many messages coming in. I don't know that I can say, Hey, I I remember the day you sat me down and talked to me about relationships with people, but somehow it became, it was, it was always in, I feel, I feel looking back, like it was always implanted in there. You gave me the perspective you guys did, or, or I experienced, I mean, you know, that is from parents, we learn more just from exposure to what you do than maybe even what you say or whatnot. And I can't say why, but man, I came away with, or, or into the work world and, and whatever, realizing that, man, the relationships with everybody, everybody, because that's the point, we're paramount, kind of the, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I, I a lot of my life I spent 
probably not giving myself enough credit for what I knew, but just so grateful for who I knew. And I saw so many things and you're living that out. We keep talking, you keep bringing that up in conversation today about the benefits of investing in these relationships, but going above and beyond, let's say that above and beyond, but also as you just talked about a second ago, you can tell the story if you want to, but of the relationships that you may not see as the, as Zig talked about in his thing, as the prospect, as the focal point, they're ancillary. Is that fair to say, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe more in the background. Yeah. Support staff. Right. uh, Or whatnot. But then how much you benefit if you treat them as well or better even than the main person and how Mm -hmm. the reciprocity is out of this world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Over and over again. I can trace so many things that have been significant successes for me now that go back to those unexpected relationships. And people often ask me, you know, how do I keep the brand alive for 20 years as it is now with the 20th anniversary edition of 48 Days? And it's not just the content. I'd love to think it's just that amazing content. And certainly I hope that it's helped a lot of people and testimonials kind of affirm that. But it goes back to constantly nurturing the relationships. If we come up with a new product, we don't just go out to a cold market and hope they like it. All we do is just seed it in the people with whom we already have relationships. Mm-hmm. Well, so let's hit the, let's hit the term of reciprocity because that's such a key piece of this that I think people are sometimes prone to try to discount and go, well, you're, so you're taking care of people and it's all to manipulate them to help you you know, down the road. So if we take over here and say, okay, let's say that there could be no, no reciprocity. And we say, well, just being kind to everyone is the right thing to do. Now, our buddy, Anthony DeMello over here would say, there's no such thing as not having self-interest unless you're psychopathic or not that, but just, you know, mental, mentally unstable. I mean, we all have self-interest too. I don't know, maybe play with that for a second. Cause, I, cause you, you, you've heard people say that they, Oh, you're just thinking about reciprocity, what you can get out of it. So you're nurturing the relationship for what you can get. And you want to say, no, 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 no. But well, some, I mean, I can't, I can't separate those two, even if it's the right thing to do. And I know it benefits me too. Well, you know, I have a lot of examples of that, but here's one last year I was in Chicago and the flight had been delayed going up because of weather got up there late. Anyway, then late that night, I had a flight back to Nashville and got on the plane and we sat there and sat there and sat there. And finally they announced that there was some kind of fuel indicator on one of the wings. It wasn't working properly. They were trying to get it fixed. And finally came back and said, we can't get it fixed. There are no other planes available. You're going to have to spend the night. Well, you can imagine the immediate reaction with passengers. Everybody's been out of shape. You know, you'd think they want to just go ahead and fly with something wrong with the fuel indicators. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous, the responses, but people just naturally go to adversarial responses. So the ticket, we went inside, the ticket agent was trying to then make accommodations for people. Who's, get, of, who's getting reamed out by everybody. Like it's their fault. Yeah. One of the two ticket agents threw her clipboard down and walked out, Oh, left totally. They had to scramble to find somebody else. So it had been a long, long time. And I wasn't pushing. I mean, at that night point, the night was gone. Yeah. So there was no rush. So I waited patiently, but finally got up. So I talked to the young gal who was taking care of 
the accommodations, you know, putting people up in the days in or whatever. And I said, you know, I know this has really been tough. You know, I'm so sorry that people treat you like I've observed here. Just being courteous to her. She looked around. There wasn't really many people there at that point. She says, I can get you into the Hyatt Regency. Oh, no. She said, if you go outside, give them this ticket. I'll have a ride set up for you. Went to the Hyatt Regency, stayed. She gave me two meal vouchers for meals that I, I didn't even anticipate needing to eat, but I did. One had a wonderful night, restful sleep back in the morning, flight back to Nashville. You know, no big deal. But I just think, how different was that experience for people who chose to be discourteous and rude to somebody who had no control over that at all? Mm-hmm. So self-defeating. Mm-hmm. Now, was that self-serving? Well, yeah, it was. I mean, it wasn't like I thought I was going to get I was going to say, it's like you anticipated, hey, if I kiss up to this lady, maybe she'll give me something better than day Not in. at all. Not at all. I thought I'd just be another robot in line to sleep in a cot somewhere. And, but that response elicited that from her. Yeah. You know, the, when I say support staff, I think of so often, and again, from you, from the things you expose me to, I tell the measure of somebody by going out to eat with them and see how they treat totally the wait staff. Hey, but what's interesting to me is we think about that and you might think about reciprocity. I, I think about it now here. So here's, I'll take a negative side of it. Sometimes I think, look, that person is controlling my food okay. and whether it gets spit in handled correctly. I mean, how would you not treat them with some kind of gravity? Cause these days people have so much control over the service you're going to get. So even though I am the paying customer, I should be King, right? Man, what I get at the end of this deal is so dependent on that person why for my, for my own self-interest, not even for something, a bonus, but just to get what I hope I will get at a, at a medium level, I'm really dependent on that person. And, and I am surprised when I see people, uh, you know, what is it, cut off their nose to spite their face? Yeah. Well, I've got, I've got a story in every Tell me, tell me. I know the stories are great. Well, years ago, your mom and I started going to a particular place on Friday nights. It was quite a drive uh-huh. from our house, but it was a unique place that they had kind of country cooking, meat and three, but they had live music and just a simple place. The floor was uneven, the chairs didn't match, but we just enjoyed going there. And I noticed right away that a lot of these people coming in from the county and all expected unreasonable things in terms of time of service. I mean, if somebody has a group of 20 come in, it's going to throw things off a little bit. People were intolerant. People were impatient. People were demanding. People who, we heard stories, you know, about no tip left or just walking out without paying the bill, demanding their money. I mean, just unreasonable things. How ridiculous is that? So we became known as somebody that the people, the, the gals wanted to serve. They wanted to get our table and we would tip generously. Well, because of the relationships that we had with those servers, ultimately led to the owner who we became dear friends with. She wanted to be able to come and sit with us. And we did a lot of talking about business, talking about personal things. For the last 10 years that we went to that restaurant before we moved from the area, we never paid a bill. She refused to have, no matter who was there, whether she was there or not, to have them give us a ticket for our food. We ate free. And we were very generous with her in other ways over time, in some ways. Generous, but it's also interesting because she didn't see you drive up like a pauper. Here you are in your Corvette. It's not like you can't readily pay for that. So she's not doing it to help you financially. This is her way. 
gratitude yeah. because she valued so much the respite of not having to deal with unhappy customers to come and sit at our table and talk and share and hear what's going on. And as well, you know, I, I brought her other ways to improve her business. I mean, I was happy to do that, but it was, it started with just simply being kind to the waitresses. Yeah. Well, you know, with, uh, going back to the right thing to do as well. I mean, I've heard stories. I don't have some grand one to pull out, but I, I play so many relational games in my head of if I'm being videotaped, is this something I'm proud of? Would I be proud to let my kids see how I acted towards this person? Or if the, um, actually there was a, a movie, uh, there was a, a harsh movie crash. You've seen it. Yes. Um, in that where there's a bad altercation with a cop of lacking character and a woman. And then days later, that same woman's in a car crash and he's there to literally save her. And the, the relational hula hoops there to go through with somebody who's been an an oppressor, who is now a savior and to see that and to think about that. If that person, how we tend to think of, you know, the nice Christian stalwart man leaves the, the church as a deacon and goes to the place to eat and the server didn't do their job. And that's an injustice. He's not going to leave them a tip. I think what if you ended up in the car next to this person in a cab somewhere and they realize, oh, that's you. Yeah. And the tables are turned. They're not a server. Now you're just a pure human being. And it is, all. it's always amazed me how people will categorize folks, I guess, according to their station in life. Yeah. Well, you made me think of, I mean, unfortunately, it's well known that servers prefer not to work Sundays when the church crowd comes in because they're known for being poor tippers. I mean, how sad is that? Mm-hmm. I mean, you've worked tables, but I mean, what a sad commentary on people who should be generous and giving and accepting and complimentary mm-hmm. of those around them. Mm-hmm. Well, so looking at the, you know, listening to this clip of Ziegler and talking to us, it really got me to thinking of the benefit of making everyone a fan of yours. But even if we're saying in life in general, but when you look at business and to see people who do that early on, especially you've done sales. Now, of course, this, this is a Ziegler show and, and it's sales. And hopefully people who have been here long enough, listen to Zig long enough, listen to me talk and talk about Zig, that we're, we have a perspective of everybody's in sales. I like to use the word influence. Is there any of us listening who don't want to have influence over other people, a positive influence, influence my kids, influence my, my spouse, influence my dad, even influence uh, my listeners and have influence, whether I'm trying to get them to buy or sell something mm-hmm. uh, anyways. But early on, I realized, and I'm sure it's stuff. I do remember some things that you taught me or had me read something to realize, okay, Kevin, if you're going in to sell to you know, John Doe executive guy, who's your first sale to? It's to the receptionist. That's right. It's to the switchboard operator even. Or the janitor. Or the janitor. Yep. Yeah. And, and kind of to what you said, you know, here's the, you know, quote, lowly airline, whatever she you know was called. Yeah had the power to do that. And I realized early on. So my part of my game was how can I go in and make the receptionist smile? Well, and the, and the word that we used for that then was gatekeeper. Oh. You know, how many gatekeepers are between you and where you're going to make the sale and you treat them like they're just an, an, a necessary evil to get to the end and to realize, man, they can give you the red carpet treatment to get in and make that 
sale. And they can also close that door. And for people to not recognize that is very short-sighted. Immensely. And so when you look at that realm, like, like Zig talked about all the, you know, the, the, the people, if you look at them as a team, and now, you know, again, this is whether it's internal. Well, you know, you know, let's go to another side too, because he talks about that. Here's your external, here's your prospects and all the people combined uh, uh, that are associated there. Now, here's your internal team. I don't even know if you know this, but that's part of my uh, story is I have a couple key businesses that I've been involved with that I created back with cycling and then with Free Agent Academy, where I had teams of people and I... I suffered from and hurt some, hurt some people inadvertently, good heart, good intent, but taking for granted the people close to me. Cause here's the vision. This is the intent. Here are the people we were serving. That was my sole focus. And I just expected everybody to do it. Now, nobody would go back and go, oh, gosh, Kevin was unkind or, unca- uh, well, I was going to say uncaring, but maybe they would, that we, we didn't get his attention. And it's really the converse of what I hear people like, uh, Brian Dixon with, uh, what's the book title? Start with your people. Start with your people. Yeah. Yes. And and recently, Charles uh, Coke and Brian Hooks with believe in people. Same thing. Coming back to the people that there. And I did not. So I I can sit here with a testimony and say I did not take care of completely. I mean, now the people they would say that my gosh, they lots of positives about me. But to what they did, I did a lot of taking for granted, and I can do that. Maybe sometimes, you know, I, I've, I've even had the propensity to do that even in my home that we're focused on this external serving and don't take care of. And I, now it's blatant to me. I see that in other people and, and I regret how I've done that in the past, but still not looking as Zig talked about at the, the whole, you know, everybody in essence, but even if we want to look at business, man, everybody, we're back, well, we're back to the body of Christ. Who's more important, the head, the hand, the foot? You are listening to The Ziegler Show in this episode on how we care for and invest in people. Well, next, Dan shares how what he does today, literally his vocation, started so long ago with him volunteering to lead a Sunday school class and just helping people with some areas he had knowledge in. Uh, We'll dive back in after I share some great products and services with you. You Speaking of the church reminds me of another story. But as you know, I started the 48 Days message as a Sunday school class. No intention to turn that into a book or a business. It just grew because people started coming with questions about these inevitable transitions they were making in their lives. So I was teaching that. I had no curriculum. I was just creating things in advance, walking people through. And somebody came from Florida, stopped in at the church where I was teaching that, because he knew that we had that going on a class called career transitions. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'd like to do something similar at my church. And I said, well, you know, we don't have a curriculum. We don't have a book for that. But the guy that teaches is Dan Miller. Why don't you just talk to him? And he was like, wow, would he be willing to do that? And they said, well, yeah, we sure they would. So he called me and I said, well, if you're in town, why don't you just swing by my office? I said, I'll show you anything I've got that might help you in that. So he did. Didn't know the guy at all. Came by my office he was in town because his wife was getting some specialized vocal treatment at Vanderbilt University. So he came by. We chatted, had a great time. I said, anything I can do that would help you if you want to just take my all my notes that I've laid out in these 10 series, you know, you're welcome to that. And he's like, really? I said, sure. You know, why not? Just go ahead. Before he left my office, he became the very first ultimate coaching client 
the coaching packages I have today, $4,800. In our conversation, it came out that he had just recently sold his business for $18 million. He had dropped out of school in the 10th grade. He felt like he was going to be exposed as this kid didn't even graduate from high school. And in the knee-jerk reaction was, he probably ought to just buy another business. I coached him through that process. And he tells people I saved him millions of dollars because he became a consultant for other businesses. But we developed a very close relationship. He introduced me to his church in Lakeland, Florida. I did multiple workshops there, was opened up into his denomination, the Assemblies of God. I estimate that I probably made $200,000 in presentations that I did from that connection that started with sharing openly my Sunday school notes with yeah. this guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It makes me think of the, if we go to sales specifically of having the client, I've had this before where you realize, you know, they don't, they're not really a good fit for the product or service. Maybe it's not a good fit for them financially, whatnot, but caring for them, putting as Zig would say, putting them the relationship above the sale and doing that and saying, you know, gosh, this is, I don't think this is good for you. So here you spent the time, you invest in the person, you realize, I don't think it's for them. And you're talking them out of doing that. Now, often, of course, the interesting thing is once you start to talk somebody out of the sale, they'll try to sure. talk their way back in. But I had a couple experiences early on where that person was so grateful for the character that they saw, just like you're talking about with this guy. Mm-hmm that they referred three to five people to me. Mm-hmm. I made so much more off their referrals than I would have off of their deal. Cause they knew they not all. And, and in the case, the story I'm thinking of, it was not only, it was deals far bigger than what theirs would have been. Cause it was people that they knew mom, dad, grandparents, whatever that had a lot more money and the deals ended up being so much bigger. But again, that aspect that I learned through you and mom of treating every relationship as Gold again, because first, because they're a human, but two, because man, in business, I just saw it. I, I am, I, I just continually am astounded to see how people treat to think, man, what goes around comes around. There's no way that that's not oh. known now. And, and we're polarizing on the good and the bad. And I think there's a lot of people that they're not doing it. They're fine. They're going to be fine with the server. They're not treating anybody unkindly or, or with a, a lack of love, but they're not doing a lot to really elevate and uh, leverage it. I've, I've used that exact example though, as a screening tool for determining if I wanted to do business with people. I had a guy one time who had come to me with a proposal and it sounded reasonable. And I said, okay, let's, let's meet for breakfast. We went to Waffle House. I was appalled at his treatment of the waitress and it made my decision instantly. There is no way in the world I would do business with this guy. It reminds you know, some of the old stories about J.C. Penney and people like that in the interviewing that they did. But that is, that's a real key into somebody's character to see how they people, treat people who may not have any ability to really benefit them. Yeah, I know there's some quote like that, that you can tell somebody's character by the way they treat someone else who can't do anything for them, something to that. I'm paraphrasing. Sure there is. If there's not, we'll make it our question. Okay, that's we may, <laughs> We just did that today on this show. Uh, I and Another big piece of this that as I was thinking through Zig's message on this, it reminded me in my head, I was thinking lifetime value of a client. And I went in and sure enough, it was from Customers, Customers for Life by Carl Sewell, Sewell Cadillac. Yes. Legendary. Yes. Legendary company and him looking and he sees every customer, not as a possible car sale, but as 
an, an infinite number of car sales. How many cars are they going to buy in a lifetime? How many friends do they have and have influence with? How many cars are they going to sell? So you walk onto their lot, you're a million bucks. That's right. And they treated them that way. That's right. That's the one ultimately, dad, that is one of the most astounding to me when I realize at the age of 50 years old, how many purchases I make in a given month, how many over a year and how many big ones, whether it's a house, a car or whatever. And I, I, it's really discouraging to realize how many of those people can I even remember? I haven't gotten a follow-up from them. I got nothing beyond the norm. The effort that was made, the marketing dollars that were spent to get me to make that purchase, and that's it. It was once it was done, gone. And now when I make that purchase, and it's actually, here, here I want people to hear this. It's actually somewhat of a disservice to me. So here's a true story. It's kind of a nasty, uh, well, no, I shouldn't say that because somebody's out there that does this business, but guy's probably a millionaire. Uh, he takes care of my septic tanks. So I live at 9,200 feet above sea level and we have clay in my little valley. So I spent $23,000 on my engineered septic uh, system. It's got two 1,500 gallon tanks All right. up there. And you know, it's our own system man. things go bad and it's bad. So I had a problem years ago, came and had it taken care of last year. I think it was something wasn't working. And I like, I remember the guy I used, I remember I liked him. I, I just flat out could not come up with it. Couldn't come up with the information. Couldn't. And I'm th- sitting here wondering, I wish I had kept his information, but thinking, why didn't the guy not, why did I not ever hear from him? You know, just like you do your tires. If you're getting your tires, new tires, you would hope that you're in most, I think places these days keep up with you and say, Hey, it's been this amount of time. You might want to rotate balance and they're hoping to get your business again. Well, this guy didn't finally, anyways, I got a hold of a guy. I think I got a hold of a guy. Uh, he came out and I took his information and I kept it in a, actually I tacked it up somewhere where I knew I could find it again when I need him because I can't count on them to keep up with us. So if you're out there with a product or service, not keeping in in touch with this person as a lifetime client, I think these days with us being barraged with so much and so few people doing follow-up, it's a service to people to keep in contact with them for their lifetime value. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's so easy to do what you described. Dramatically more today, yeah. And it's so much less expensive than what most people do in marketing. You know, they purchase expensive marketing, be it billboards or Yelp pages or Facebook ads or whatever it is. Whereas if you just, I mean, I, I really have never had a marketing budget for my business because it's so easy just to nurture relationships based on people who have come to us, people that we can help and to see their response. When I just, just came out recently, as you know, with the 20th anniversary edition of 48 Days to the Work You Love, and I told my team, and you know, they said, well, you just need, you need to do a bunch of podcast interviews, which I really believe in, and I love this kind of stuff and the exposure that it gives. And I said, okay, I'll agree to do 48, my magic mm-hmm. number. I said, I'll do 48. So I sent out 50 packages to people with multiple books and a note in there and said, you know, if it would serve your audience well, or you know somebody I could connect with, um, I'd I'm, I'm be happy to, right. to do an interview. I had, out of those 50 I sent out, I had 36 bookings immediately. Mm. 36. said, I'd love to have you on. And a lot of those were people with audiences. But those are because they're people that I've maintained relationships with. 
I see him at conferences. You know, we go to lunch together. I send him gifts. I text him, say, I'm thinking about you. Hope you're having a great day. Just those kind of things. So I, so I had no dollars involved in all, at all, and yet was able to, you know, launch that in that way and, and did the rest of them very quickly as well, right after that. Well, so let's talk about that though, the nurturing, let's talk about the proactive nurturing like that. So we kind of covered reciprocity and I hope people are not having a problem with the idea of in a perfect scenario, we would all treat everybody like they were Jesus, no matter who it is, you know, to use a, an avatar there to treat, of course, I mean, that's the biggest message and the biggest thing that could possibly come out of the show is no, there we would treat people like we were Jesus or no, like, no, like they, they were, were like they were like, like he was sitting at their table. We, we yeah. treat him with reverence and awe and utmost respect. Well, it's easy to move too. We'd treat people like he would treat them. That's well, either, I guess do. you can go either way. Okay. <laughs> take, right. take the person. How about this to everybody? Take the person you most respect and most revere. And how would you treat them when they came to the door? Would you open the door and go, Oh my gosh, it's so great to see you. Or would you open the door and go, Oh, it's you. <laughs> you know, or, Come on in. And, and sometimes often it is, as I attested to, I, that I've had some history of not treating with enough, enough reference and all the people closest to me. So just what you said there on the podcast, the last time that I had you on a show, uh, it was like a month, two months ago, whatever it was, I had you on a show. We well, are my dad. Uh, I had you on the show and it was a great show. And days later, I get a box of chocolates from Askinosie chocolates from you. And it impressed me because I'm thinking, you're, you're my, you know, dad, really, you're going to, but you're also smart. And I saw you did that. And of course, I think that one of the first things I did was to post about it or something. So I gave you exposure, you in 48 days exposure. It, it, it helped. Let's hit that. I did that right there. You got exposure there. It did help. Even though you are my dad, it always helps to stay top of mind. Yeah. We know that. I mean, you can have, I, I'm again, often uh, surprised at myself for somebody who had such a massive impact on me, take, you know, whatever person it is. And then just realize, I just have not thought about them in six months or eight months or whatever. And then something will happen and I do, and they'll go back on my mind and I'll talk about them again and give them thousands of dollars worth of exposure by mentioning on my show, but we don't tend to stay top, top of mind. You did that. It stays, you know, top of mind and the chocolates are around and I tell the story and it goes on and I'm just looking to go whether there's that. Thank you. I'm grateful for your love. It's also smart. It's, you know, it's also yeah. smart. And I talk, and here I am talking about it again. And there you're on you the go. show, you know, again, the things that we don't realize how they build on that. So talk about that. I want to talk about that. Let's call it, I don't have a definition for it, but the, the proactive nurturing of a relationship that, you know, uh, you know, could help you or is going to be in your, you know, best favor. You talked about here in I'm sure you've got lots of stories of that to tell, but you talked about the one that you experienced here. We're sitting in your Florida home and you worked with a realtor. So here's a realtor. You're giving them the chance to make a lot of money. Uh, so they're your, and they did. We purchased a home. Yeah. But they're there to do the work for you. Right. Why would you, it's not a relationship. They need to be nurturing you. It's a one way relationship, uh, right? Well, that's interesting that you mentioned that because we had the luxury of looking over a long period of time. We love coming down here to Florida anyway, so we just took advantage of looking long before we really were ready to do anything or serious about doing anything. So we spent a lot of that realtor's time. I'm grateful for that. So in the course of that time, 
I sent him gifts periodically, various things, just thanking him. So, so right there, stop there. Uh-huh. There's a, you sent, you hired, agreed on a realtor. They're all out there spending their marketing dollars. Here's one. And oh, they got you. Right. You know, they, their marketing dollars and you responded and said, yes, I will agree to let you represent me. They now work for you. Yes. And you bought them gifts. I bought them gifts repeatedly because I frankly was a little embarrassed about the time I was spending mm. of his, even though sure his, he gets compensated with a commission, a healthy commission. If we buy and we did, we knew we were going that direction. But even in that period of time I did, here's another piece of that. And, and he was extremely grateful, but now, yeah, we've sent him half a dozen other people because of the quality of his character and working with us, his patience and competence. So we've sent him multiple people. But here's another story within that that was kind of interesting. So we came down here one time and we found a house and I really just was immediately in love with it. Had a beautiful, beautiful office, swimming pool, the things we were looking for. And I had done nothing in preparation for that. So I contacted a person at a mortgage company and I said, and it was somebody that I knew, but I hadn't talked to in probably 10 years. And I said, you know, I'm down here in Florida. I want this house. Boom. What can you do to make this happen? He went to work immediately. I mean, immediately over a 24 hour period, we were going back and forth, back and forth. And I told him how I wanted it to work. And ultimately he came back and said, there's no way I can make this work. There's no way I can make it work under the terms that you're talking about. I said, okay, that's cool. I said, I'm disappointed, but I understand. Boom, that was it. The next day, I sent him a gift Mm. and a note. He went online immediately. He was blown away. He said, I've never had somebody thank me, let alone send me a gift, when I wasn't able to help them in their favor. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. I said, how many years have you been doing this work? He said, I've been doing this for 21 years, and you're the first person that has ever thanked me when the outcome wasn't what they wanted. And I thought, that's nuts. He spent his time. He diverted his attention immediately on my behalf, had his team working on it, invested time and energy and all that, so it didn't come out to my favor. I'm just going to walk away with a chip on my shoulder? Wow, I hope I'm never guilty of that. And I do want to make, I want to clarify or bring attention to the aspect of here we are talking and uh, you know, I'm, I'm in essence, can you, you brag about some of these stories and you're doing that and we could look at that and go, oh, that's great. You know, Dan, Dan's Mr. Altruistic, Ho- hopefully so. And I know your heart, I know your heart that you do, you know, want to take care of people, but over here, you could also be envious of Dan who seriously, he gets the red carpet rolled out everywhere. Like he's mayor of the world. And well, no, no. I'm saying that is a good thing, though. That I yeah. see that. Yeah. I said, well, well, why? It's not happenstance. You know, you, you've you've done these things, and it is in your favor. I, I want people to not miss that. So if they're in in sales and in life and feeling like, how many people think that I get the short end of the stick? Mm-hmm. Well, what are you doing to help yourself get the long get the long end of the stick? And and with that, with a realtor or somebody like that, there are so many people that we end up being dependent upon for the things that we want. I mean, I can't go and just, you know, it's hard to buy a house by yourself. You get a realtor. I want, would I like preferential treatment? Yes. I'm usually as a very impatient person, you know, by nature, I want attention right now. 
well then Kevin, what should you be doing to help garner, give yourself a better chance at having the attention from somebody like that to say, when I, you know, ask them to jump and they say, well, how high Well, you're doing those things? I see the, the payoff is dramatic and you see it happen over and over and over. And what if it only happens one out of 10 times? And that time is the, you know, that, yeah. uh, this is a tough issue as you're kind of laying it out here because it could be seen as really manipulative if we're not careful. And if there's one thing that really kind of makes my skin crawl, it's the idea of entitlement. Mm. Well, I deserve this. I need, you know, I should be able to go to the front of the line. I don't want to ever be in that kind of position. So it really has to truly be part of your character, part of your heart to serve. And of course, Zig would be the first one to step up and say that. Even selling is not manipulating and economy people into something mm -hmm. you don't want or need. It's serving them well. Look for ways to serve people. But, you know, you, you, you're here at my house. You saw the yard guys come this morning. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't just, you know, you better work your butts off because I'm paying you every month. I go out there and talk to them. Mm -hmm. You know, we take them lemonade. You know, I tip them when I ask them to do, you know, Joe, I'd like to remove this bush. Well, I know it's part of their job, but I, I want to show appreciation. Um, they allow me to practice my Spanish on them, which, <laughs> <laughs> which I consider a real gift. And yeah. they're thrilled that I'm taking the time to learn Spanish so I can talk to them in their language as well. But to me, it's just a natural part of being a person that I want to be, being recognized as a homeowner, that they are able to serve in the work that they do. Mm -hmm. So it's reciprocal. But, you know, I don't expect any big benefit to come from that or any big connections. It's just something that needs to be done. Well, it's a byproduct. I mean, it is a byproduct. Well, you go to Shanti Feldhahn, which I talk, who I talk about so often, uh, because her book, the 30 day kindness challenge, she talks about being kindness and her, I was gonna say her culmination, my culmination, the big thing that stuck out to me is the biggest beneficiary of me being kind to another person is me and just how I feel. There, there you go. I'm a happier, Absolutely. more peaceful, fulfilled person when I feel like everybody's out for me, everybody's good, than to think the opposite. And we are in a cultural time as of today, the last day of March 2021, where I have not ever experienced culturally as much blame and accusation and victimization. Wow from the culture at large. And, and, and that's, you know, the media puts out and if it bleeds, it leads. And that's, what's bleeding the most right now. And we're at a time of, of that and seeing on the other side, the peace that comes from expecting the best from being kind, no matter what, whether it's deserved or not. I was reading Emerson Egerich here recently, love and respect. And he says, we get so much biblically even out of the responsibility to love unconditionally, but it also says to respect unconditionally, man, that's not common human behavior to respect. You earn respect. We say that you earn respect, right. but these are things that, that become habits. We know that if you repeat something over and over again, you don't have to make a new decision. It ought to be instantaneous in what your response is. And I'm there's, there's a term out there, certainly not original with me, but it's reverse paranoid. I mean, I really suspect that everybody hmm. out there is trying to help me in some way. Well, that's not paranoia. That's a reverse of that. But I, I anticipate that. Yeah. If I meet somebody on the road somewhere or at a place of business, I immediately assume that we're there to help each other. You know, how can I do my part? Even if, it is, even if it's a place where I'm going to go in and be the customer, mm -hmm. how can I leave 
a great impression with that person who took the time to serve me. Again, if they're paid, and I hope they're paid well to do that. During this mm. uh, pandemic, the downturn, I mean, your mom and I have uh, made it a practice to tip very, very generously because we know that a lot of people who make their living doing what they have way fewer customers than they're used to. Mm-hmm. So there was a period of a couple of months where our policy was simply to tip at least the amount of what the bill was. Well, we just, it gives us joy to do that. Again, we're, what is to be gained from that, from my perspective? You know, am I looking for reciprocity in some way? I mean, it's usually at the very end of the encounter with somebody we may never see again, period. But it's still just an opportunity to serve in an unexpected way. And I believe in the big picture. You know, there's a lot of times when mm-hmm. I, we, we do something and we cannot connect the dots to how that would ever help us. But wow. Then even years later, it may come back and all of a sudden we realize there was some kind of connect the dot connection hmm. from that that benefited us in a big way. Well, let's come to that, the big picture. I had, and I have so few of these but uh, six months ago or so, had a company that charged me for an annual fee for a product that I forgot I was even signed up for. It's in another business that I have, and I didn't pay attention to it, and it was a $1,400 charge. Ouch. I didn't know about it until I just saw, I just happened to look at the, I don't even look at that bank statement that much. And I looked in there and I thought, what is that? And I finally figured it out. Oh my goodness. So here it is. And I knew that they could go back one and see that I had not used it. We had not logged in in over a year. And two, I know that with charges like that, you're supposed to get, I think part of the law there's you're supposed to get a little advance, a, a little advance, nice, a yes. little advance notice. And long story short, they claimed that I got it and I don't know. I mean, I could, I you know, could do a search in my thing and see the, I found the thing that said that you've been charged, did, literally did not find the one I looked in spam folders everywhere. The one that was supposed to come, you know, three oh, days before okay. I couldn't find it. So I felt like. I, I, I'm not, I'm not confident that I got it. Um, either way, I haven't used it. And, and in my own economy, I, I, I hardly ever say no to something like that, mm-hmm. but I said, gosh, can you refund it? Bottom line, they refused it and they kept my $1,400. Whoa. Well, and so, but there's a big picture of going, how far do I push? Because these are some, and I, and I finally, I even got in, in touch with one of the main uh, VPs and it's a company that, that most, a lot of people would know uh, here in, in business. Well, let's trash them, right? Now. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. And, and, and I was, fr- and then they kept marketing to me and I'm like, uh, it was, it was, I was really disappointed really. Cause I, I literally got in contact with one of the like second in line guy uh-huh. and just really disappointed. I looked up who the CEO is and it was a name I knew vaguely. And I thought, I can't imagine, but ultimately big picture, is it worth me going after justice? you know, to get this, is this somebody who I'm going to end up on stage with someday at a speaking event? And what kind of blood do I want in there? So I was very clear that I, I don't believe that this is good business practices. I, I mean, this is unkind, but if you're literally not going to do that, I'm, I'm really disappointed. I'm not going to go diss you. I surely won't recommend you. And if it comes up, somebody asks me, I'm going to be honest, but I'm not going to go out of my way. And I think they even said, the only caveat they said is we'll give you, you know, you can still use the product for another year. Oh. I said, I don't. And I said, would you please pay it forward and give it to somebody else, which I, with their kind of economy, I don't know that they'll do, but it was still looking at that and go, what would I be proud of? You know, taking my stance and going after them and the, 
you know, first off the emotional turmoil that I have and going after and trying to do that, is it worth it? And, uh, and then next just wondering, yeah, you know, that's what goes around comes around and they probably know people I know. And how is it going to come around that I reacted to this thing? So I wrote an email that I said, would I be good if this was posted publicly? Yeah, I would. It was, it was kind. Uh, it was tactful. Um, but it was a chance to look at that and to, to look what's big picture, what's important here. Wow. That again is, is almost incomprehensible. It's my, it is, it, it blew me away that yeah. they would do that. E- even knowing, and I think I probably found a way to stick it in there. I actually have a big audience and a lot of people well, yeah. I connect with. Well, they ought to recognize that. My gosh, with 50 million downloads. But $1,400 uh, was apparently more important. Voice? Yeah. Wow. And there was an opportunity for them to be so gracious. Are you kidding me? Of course we will. And we actually see that you didn't use it far beyond that. And yeah. you've been paying this money. I, Dad, I, I just had it happen again with an internet company that we use in our high mountain thing. And I called in going, why is the bill so high? And they had started a new product over a year ago. I was on the old plan paying $100 more than people do for the same plan today. Wow. And they said, well, we'll correct that right away. What about the past year there, guys? Nothing. So what is my desire? Do I want to recommend them? So, so we're so short-sighted we, as a culture and in business, we're so short-sighted. Well, again, maybe it's just because I've been around a while, but I, I see the repercussions of that, both positive and negative. You know, to do things where you plant the seed that you may not see the benefit of for 10 years, but I'm so, I'm such a believer in the fact that that will come back around mm-hmm. and the other way as well. I don't want to, have to be looking over my shoulder and you know, for somebody's kid whose dad I offended 20 years ago. I don't want to live like that. Yeah, true. <laughs> well, again, what, what, what comes around, you know, to this, just, I, I, I think what I, a, this got me dwelling on again is just the, there's an opportunity to you know, love someone and benefit from them in every single contact I have Somebody coming on the show uh, pretty soon. I haven't talked with her yet. Erica, I don't know if you say the last name, Dewan, but her book is body. She's a body language expert and it's about digital body language, Uh how much of our relationships happen online. And I'm aware of that. And we hear a lot of people talk about, oh yeah, you know, when so-and-so texts them, don't let it wrinkle you wrong. They just kind of, you know, text really blank. They're not really like that in person. And I have met those people thinking on text and thinking, man, this person it's not the most gracious person and you meet them in person and they really are. So they really just look at it and go, well, it's just a quick tool. You know, I'm not going to put a lot of effort in that. But man, just I, happen to have the caps, all caps on accidentally. Yeah. 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 Where it sounds like, it sounds like you're screaming at you. Oh, I didn't mean anything. Real that. blunt and bottom line. Almost kind of like the perspective that we see with people who will act in a certain way negatively in a car that they would never do if they were face to face, you know, with you. So this lady is talking about, that's why I wanted her on the show. She's talking about how digitally we do that and we mm-hmm. reap the rewards or the negative consequences of how we do that and how to get those feelings of, you know, grace, love, care across digitally. But again, looking at every single relationship and I, I literally have gotten to where I just kind of play a game and go, man, I, I don't know where the connections are, but it is absolutely, there's no way it's going to hurt me to make to pretend that everybody is somebody act, you know, act towards them, somebody I revere and respect and the stories of my own life and others of how it comes back to benefit you so often are just astounding, astounding. Absolutely. And I think we miss out such a small risk. Dude, there's no downside 
to doing it that way. And there's such an upside potentially. It just makes no sense. I think that's the muse for me, for, for everybody to take from this thing, to think about how are you viewing the world? How are you viewing people? How are you viewing the culture right now? And are you getting the short end of the stick? Are you not making the sale? Are you not getting the loyalty? Are you not receiving the trust? What are you doing to get it? And this goes to a show I did not long ago that if we do the job, we provide the product, we provide the service that was purchased. And that's what we do. We do it perfectly. All we did was meet what the person hoped they would get anyways. Mm -hmm. So that's not enough to get love, loyalty, respect, all those, all those, the red carpet rolled out. We have to go above and beyond, which you often do with box of chocolates. I mean, (laughs) nobody else is. It's, it's pretty easy to do, Uh, you know? Yep. That's interesting. You pull that out as an example, because I do that so automatically without thinking about it. And even though you're my son, you gave me the honor of being a guest on your show. That still stands alone as an interaction mm-hmm. that goes outside of the fact that we're father and son. <laughs> well, good lessons as always. I really, truly, fervently hope you heard this message today and really take it to heart uh, that you stop for a moment and think about all the people you met, let's say today or yesterday or during the last week. How many of them did you treat like a revered person? How many did you go above and beyond to thank and advocate for, to treat in a memorable way? Even if they wronged you, as you heard in the show, what if it really does add up? And again, it it does most of all, it adds up for us in our souls, but it also does in our tangible lives. Again, if you enjoyed Dan, my father, you can find his 48 Days podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up in episode 878, Tom Ziegler and I talk about how we can better respond to the things in our work we cannot control. I mean, but goodness, we got on some interesting branches and one was questioning whether there truly is much that is not in our control, or at least that we can't heavily influence to stack the odds in our favor. Uh, We discuss choice and consequences and what a secure person would do. That one has just stuck with me, uh, and we'll talk about it more. But till then, thank you, as always, for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.